Welcome back in, everybody. Brady Farkas show right here on this Friday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Time for our Friday diamond discussion. Thanks to Red Door Jewelers in downtown Randolph, where every visit is a home run. Joining us now, helping us uh, continue our recap of game one of Red Sox Mariners and our preview of the rest of the series is Mariners Insider from 710 ESPN Seattle. It's Brandon Gustafson. Brandon, how are you, man? Good, Brady. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you being with us, man. Last night, before we even get into the game and the rest of the weekend, can we just come to agreement that last night was maybe the worst home plate strike zone I have seen ever? Like the pitch to Kyle Lewis by Pavetta was like seven inches off the plate. And the pitch that Mashevitz threw to JD Martinez in the 10th was like over his head. Yeah, you <laughs> when you have the strike zone that's expanded probably eight or ten inches on both sides of the plate to I mean the the only good thing you can say is that he was calling it for both sides, I guess, but that doesn't change the fact that you're an L, you're an MLB hitter, you're already dealing with these guys with elite velocity, elite stuff. Then you're having to deal with covering basically an expanded foot off of the plate to the outside. So it's just not fair. I mean, it fair. was it was just a horrible zone last night. Yeah, both teams dealt with it. Um I think I would characterize both the Red Sox and the Mariners as surprises right now. And at this point of the season here, both of them are hovering around first place. The Red Sox are in first place. I think you could ask me the same question I'm going to ask you. Are the Mariners good? <laughs> it's so hard to tell. And Like we kind of talked about before we ended up getting on air, they've played a lot of uh, good baseball to start seasons and then have kind of uh, teetered off. I think that they have a chance to actually be a surprise team. And the reason I say that is because they have this young core of talent and they have a lot of, lot more talent coming with you guys like Jared Kelnick and Logan Gilbert, who are top prospects of theirs that are expected up in the next few months. But this is a close knit team. A lot of these guys came up together in the minors were drafted by the Mariners or came over in trades around the same time and joined the organization. And we're seeing that we're seeing that talent kind of start to spring. The last time they had a really good start back in 2019, they had a bunch of journeyman guys that you knew weren't going to be around for the long haul. But this is a group of players that's expected to be with this team for the foreseeable future. At least most of these guys are. Uh, they can't win a lot of games only getting three hits while scoring seven runs like they did last night. You can't, you, you know, you can't rely on that. But the starting pitching, I think, has been pleasantly surprising. Uh, the lineup has had its issues, but the top of it's been pretty good. But the the key thing will be the bullpen. They've been lights out to start the year, but you're probably not going to have a one-something ERA over a 15-game span like they have uh, for an entire season. You know, last night was weird for me. I watched the Red Sox every night, and I watched it from the Red Sox perspective. And last night, I watched it from a Mariners fan perspective. And I have my impression of what it's like now to watch the Red Sox from the other side. What was your impression of watching the Red Sox as an opposition? They that lineup is scary. Uh, even they, you know, they might not have as much talent as they had in years past when they were going to the World Series. But Rafael Devers is terrifying from an opposing yeah. perspective. Alex Verdugo, JD Martinez, even though he's not some triple crown guy uh, like he was pushing a few years ago, you always got to be worried with that guy. And it showed they're really, really hammering the outside breaking ball. Justin Dunn was he was not giving that guy anything over the inner third. So from that perspective. Yeah, that, that's a scary team, and you can see why they've had the success that they've had early in this season, I think, with them. I mean, and it's with a lot of teams. It's going to come down to starting pitching and bullpen. Uh, but as far as that lineup, that should be able to keep them in a lot of games this year, and they can continue to be a surprise team. You know, I was just talking about this before you came on. I looked for the actual answer to this all day and couldn't find it. But anecdotally, 
it feels to me like under the new extra inning rules, it feels like being the away team has the advantage and getting the chance to come out and put up a four spot like the Mariners did last night or the Diamondbacks and Reds yesterday. The Diamondbacks put up a six spot in their half of the top of the 10th. It feels like the home team advantage goes away under these new rules. Do you also feel it that way? It, the thing is, I, I do. I totally agree with you, and it does seem like the road team is coming out on top in these uh, in these games. It shouldn't be that way, right? I mean, yeah. every team has a runner starting and scoring position to start the inning. It shouldn't be the case that the away team is coming away at such a high clip, and it could just be just some random thing where it happens to always turn out that way. But, yeah, it's been extremely surprising, and the Mariners have played a ton of extra inning games already, and most of those have been on the road, and they're undefeated in extra innings. I know the Red Sox were undefeated in extra innings heading into yesterday too. Super weird. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be that split. You're right. I, I need to go find that number two. But it's been super weird to start the season. Brandon Gustafson joins us now from 710 ESPN Seattle. He's a Mariners insider recapping game one of the Mariners Red Sox series last night. And game two is coming up tonight with the pregame show. I'll kick it off here in a little while at 610. Um, I am not in the business of ranking people's hardships. Um, it's a foregone conclusion that Trey Mancini is going to win comeback player of the year. but it, can't there at least be a case for Mitch Hanniger and Eduardo Rodriguez for the Red Sox? Oh, for sure. Both of those guys went through a ton of struggles. Mitch Hanniger had one of the most horrific and kind of just makes you shiver thinking about that injury when he fouled a ball off of a, you know, a spot that no man yeah. wants to <laughs> foul a baseball off of. Uh, and then he had the complications with it. He had surgery with that. He, I think he only played about 60 games in 2019, missed the rest of the year. And then it was thought he was going to be able to come back last year. He had two more surgeries in like a two month span. He, he hadn't played in, I think over 500 days, but he's been awesome to start the year and they really need, something like that, especially because this lineup has not been very long. It's really been top heavy to start the year. You have a lot of guys that are striking out way too much and hitting under 200 at the bottom of the lineup. Yeah. And Eduardo Rodriguez, same kind of the same thing. Trey Mancini, like, like you said, he's 100% going to win <laughs> AL comeback player of the year, but there's a strong case to be made for both of those guys as well. You know, I see the Red Sox and Mariners in kind of a similar position right now, just in that, um, I thought they'd be much better than last year, but I didn't think that they'd go and win their division. And I could see them selling off pieces at the deadline, at least veteran pieces. The Red Sox have a few of those pieces. Do the Mariners have sellable pieces or is everybody at this point young team control guys they want to keep? So the veteran guys that you would look at, the it was going to start with James Paxton, who unfortunately only lasted 24 pitches in his first outing. And yeah. now he got season ending surgery that is believed to be Tommy John. Uh the two other guys that kind of come to mind would be Mitch Hanniger, who he's a free agent, not after this season, but next year. And they have so much outfield talent. So what they do with him remains to be seen because he's playing like an all-star right now. And you don't want to just trade away all-stars, especially if you're yeah. a team that is right now in first place. Uh, the other guy is another guy who I think could ultimately end up getting a long-term deal after this year. He's only on a one-year deal. That's Kendall Graveman. He's been one of the best relievers in baseball this year. I think by war, He's the second highest, uh, the second most valuable reliever in all of baseball. There's only one guy above him. He's like the, a top 20 pitcher, starter or reliever in terms of war so far. Those would be the three. Those were the three guys that kind of come to mind. But that was kind of with the mindset going into the year that this is a team that best case is probably going to push about 500, maybe push for about 84 wins. But now after you're seeing how they start this season and you know that they have all this young talent that's ready to come up at, a, at any time, kind of changes your perspective a little bit. 
Don't tell me they're going to trade Seager. I'm just glad I I can't handle them trading Seager. Like no. I've gotten attached to Seager over the last decade. No, so I I am firmly on team pick up the club option for 2022. I want that to be very clear. I think that if you're getting a guy who plays above average defense at third base, he hits in the middle of your lineup. You know, he's going to hit 240 or so, mostly because of the shift, but. He's going to hit 20 or so home runs. He's going to drive in 75 or more RBIs. I'm not going to tell teams how to spend money. I'm not going to say how much millions is worth for them and whatnot, but it seems like at 15 million for a club option for 2022 on a team that's on the rise, seems like that'd be worth it, especially because he's a veteran presence that is very well respected and very well liked by that group. You know, I'm a little bit older than you. I grew up in Seattle and I'm a jaded Seattle sports fan. Now, when I grew up in Seattle, it was a lot of watching the Seahawks and it was Rick Meyer and it was John Freeze and it was Glenn Foley. And it was just loss after loss and getting pummeled by Denver every week. It felt like, so I am used to just thinking the worst will always happen when it comes to Seattle sports. And it continued that way until 2012. And when Russell Wilson got there instantly, I was like, okay, something good is going to happen to the Seahawks. I am now surprised when they lose rather than when they win. What will it take for Mariners fans to flip to that attitude? Because I am still like, it's 7-3 with two outs. They're going to find a way to blow this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's, it's a good point because you're right. Uh, I mean, this is a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2001. They've had a bunch of chances. And what kind of makes it even more sad is that when you look at some of these past years, like 2003 and I think it was 2016 or something like that, and now they have the expanded playoffs with the two wildcard teams, I think they would have made the playoffs two or three more times, two or three times in that span. So just some bad timing, some bad luck. I think, I honestly think that if this is a team that is still hovering around first or second place come the trade deadline and they actually add a piece or two, maybe nothing crazy, you know, they're not going to, I don't think this is a team that's going to go shell out for a high end starter or something like that. But if they could get a veteran piece who's on the last year of his deal to maybe replace a guy like Justin Dunn in the rotation for the back half of the year, and they actually do go and buy it the deadline, I think that would be a very, very good sign for fans that, okay, this is a team that's for real. And with this farm system that's seen as top two, top three, top four in all of baseball, clearly this is a team on the rise. And I think that being a buyer at the contender would be a really, really good thing for this fan base. Well, a fun baseball game last night should be equally fun tonight. You say Kikuchi for the Mariners, Martin Perez for the Red Sox. We'll have the first pitch at 7-10 right here on WDEV, and the uh, pregame show begins at 6-10. Brandon Gustafson, Mariners insider over at 710 ESPN Seattle, providing a little more context and perspective. Brandon, man, I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Brady.